truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And happy Wednesday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show live and on demand here on The Blaze. I'm Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here as well. If you'd like to join us, 888-900-3393 is the number here to the program. 888-900-3393. You can let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. Take advantage of that by either emailing the program, steve at stevedace.com. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. For those of you listening today via podcast or on Blaze Radio, last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, Daniel Horowitz, will be taking us inside politics. Also, next hour, we're going to play our fun little game of buy, sell, or hold. Who knows what zany hijinks will ensue when the audience gets to determine the questions around here. We learn each week that it ain't no fun When the rabbits got the gun. Now, we're going to be talking about a lot of zany hijinks here soon in Aaron's montage. And right now, the economy uh, is doing well for a lot of Americans and a lot of businesses. But we also need to be mindful of the fact that there is a generation of Americans emerging that are picking up from where their previous generations left off, who handed off a welfare state to them. And now they're, unfortunately, they seem poised to take it to its most logical conclusion with a full-throated embrace of socialism. Protect the wealth that you are making now. Protect your productivity. You earned it. The worker is worth his hire. Here's how you can learn how to do that, how to brace for what's coming down the road here uh, if indeed we don't see revival in our country in the next generation. You want to get a free report from our friends at Swiss America. It's called the Protect Your Wealth Report, and you can just give them a call at 800-289-2646. That's 1-800-289-2646. I've interviewed Craig R. Smith, the... uh, the head mucky muck over there at Swiss America several times over the years. He is one sharp cookie. All right. They're going to help you connect the dots and uh, protect what you've earned that you should have the right to pass on and do with as you see fit. Uh, they're going to help you do your best to be prepared for what's coming. All right. So again, 800-289-2646 is how you can get a copy of this Protect Your Wealth Report from Swiss America or just visit their website, SwissAmerica.com, all one word, Swiss America. America.com. And now here's Aaron with what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Molek. Rick Santorum went into the snake pit yesterday to talk about abortion on CNN, but he didn't have just any conversation about abortion. He forced Chris Cuomo and CNN contributor Christine Quinn to answer the big question. When does life begin? When a woman gets pregnant, that is not a human being inside of her. It's part of her body. Do you disagree that at the moment of conception, that child is human and alive? It's That's its viability. It's, 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 it is it a, a viable is it, human is being. It is not recognized no. under our law as a person no. under answer the law. The question. No. You, you is know it what the biologically answer is. a human life? No. You know what the answer is. I do. It's in every biology and tough work in the, in the world. The it's only a fact. thing that no, can be not. created by two human beings is a human being. Period. The law recognizes a person with rights at a certain standard. You are conflating the two. So, okay, before that thing is a person, what is it? 
What do you mean, what is it? What? You guys make it sound like this is cheaper than condoms. This is easier than condoms. Right. So just go abort your babies. These are painful decisions for these women. They're these huge. are things they live with for the rest of their lives. Huge. Chris. Yeah, I know, huge. and they think about it. And they think about it in a way that you never will, Rick. In other news, after a months-long crusade from Hollywood pro-aborts against the state of Georgia, Governor Brian Kemp signed into law yesterday a bill that requires a search for fetal heartbeat for women seeking abortions. If a heartbeat is detected, it then becomes illegal to follow through with an abortion. Six weeks pregnant equals two weeks late on your period. Most of the men writing these bills don't know the first thing about a woman's body outside of the things they want from it. It's relatively common for a woman to have a late period plus not be pregnant. So this is a backdoor ban. Georgia's heartbeat bill is aimed at stripping away a woman's right to choose. All women deserve the right to a safe, affordable abortion. Abortion is health care, plain and simple. Pennsylvania State Representative Brian Sims posted an apology video yesterday after outcry regarding his antics harassing pro-life prayer warriors and attempting to dox teenage girls. A rally has been planned outside the Planned Parenthood location in Philadelphia where Sims was recording. The rally was instigated by Matt Walsh of the Daily Wire and will be attended by numerous conservative media personalities, including some from Blaze TV. 650 former federal prosecutors have signed a statement saying Donald Trump would have been indicted for obstruction if he weren't the sitting president. How could he have fired Comey, thus instigating the special counsel, if he weren't the president? Twitter briefly suspended conservative pundit David Horowitz yesterday for an unknown reason. They also suspended a parody account of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez for some, well, again, we just, we don't know why. We don't, we don't know why. U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement officials have arrested Ismail Huazo Yardinez, the suspect in a DUI crash that killed three people and injured an 11-year-old girl in California. They said he's an illegal alien. But, you know, if you want a wall, you're still a xenophobe. Today's We're All Going to Die update, courtesy of George Clooney. Science enables us to cure diseases, to communicate across great distances, even to fly. Tragically, though, The volumes of invaluable knowledge gathered over centuries are now threatened by an epidemic of dumb idiots. Wow. As a result, rampant dumb now threatens our health, our security, and our planet. And finally, the State University of New York, Plattsburgh, is offering students therapy donkeys in order to help them get through finals week. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's Montage brought to you by our friends at Riduzone who know that it would just be weird to have a stoplight, a stop sign at your kitchen table to tell you when to stop eating, right? But uh, they also understand that uh, your creator put one in your body. It's called OEA, which stands for a big word, frankly, that I can't pronounce, so I just call it that. All right, uh, and this is this natural substance, and it's uh, it's it's just something that says, uh, when the, the belly says to the brain, hey, we're full here. Uh, you can stop eating now. We're all good here. How are you? Unfortunately for some of us, that signal's a little bit weaker uh, than it is in some others. Uh, and for some of us, uh, the older we get, the weaker it gets as well. So kick your metabolism back into high gear with our friends at Riduzone. They want to put that OEA right back in your body. That is the main ingredient. And there's only three. 
uh, of Riduzone, and it's the main one, and there's no caffeine. This is not any kind of stimulant. This is really just about putting the metabolic regulator back in your body to make that metabolic rate work the way it's supposed to. If you want to give it a shot, here's all you need to do. Just go to their website, riduzone.com. That's R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E. They'll give you a special offer when you do. Uh, just go to riduzone.com, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E. So let's get to Aaron's montage. And I just saw this. I want to share this with the audience. Um, some context on the, um, I, I, we're, the, the clinic. Uh, some context on the clinic uh, where they, uh, that's the uh, abortuary there. I mean, it's, it's a killing field where they're killing children there in Pennsylvania. And y- by the way, do you guys remember who else was from Pennsylvania? Do you guys remember? Uh, was it... <sighs> Her. A frog was named this guy. Yes. Yeah, Kermit uh, Gosnell, uh, maybe the worst serial killer in American history, also in Pennsylvania. They're not, they're not really big on regulating clinics. Wasn't he and, also from uh, from Philadelphia? Yes, thing? yeah, yeah. And I've really loved the Gosnell movie. I like the fact they name dropped liberal Republican Tom Ridge as the governor. Nice. Not who 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 ended uh, the regulation of these clinics. So this is the. This again, and I'm going to keep resetting this because it's it's important to reset it. We keep having these arguments about regulating this practice and which regulations we're going to put on it. Who determines whether or not the regulations are in effect? Do you know? I'm just going to keep asking you this every time the debate comes up because I want to drive this point home. I cannot drive it home enough. Who determines whether or not there's a fetal abnormality? Who determines whether or not the child is at 19 weeks, 20, 23, 24? Who determines whether the heartbeat was there or not? Who is the one reporting the stage of development that meets the threshold of these regulations? Do you know who it is? Upstanding doctors? Yes, indeed. The killers are. We do not have a prenatal registry, and none of us would be in support of one, obvious for obvious reasons of where that leads. So therefore, you are let me put this in another context. Would you rely on a slave trader if you said, hey, we're gonna cap the amount of slaves that you can sell? And the ages by which you can sell them, and they can be put into the cotton fields. Would, would, would you trust Mr. Beauregard, plantation owner, to report said regulations accurately? Would you, would you support, would you expect that? Would you expect that, Todd? I would not. You would not. So why do you expect someone who punches a clock, says, beam me up, Scotty, kills a few kids, goes home, hugs their own kids at, at the dinner table, and then does it all over again tomorrow morning. Why would you expect someone whose conscience is this seared to follow your regulations and report them accurately? This this entire political outcome we've tried to generate, which and it just goes to show you how much of a failure it is because we're winning the ideological battle, and so the demand for abortion is going down, and that's why all these clinics around the country are closing. And yet, we've gained no real traction on this politically in 46 years. 
because we have tried to fact, well, and let me just tell you one dirty little secret, okay? You have no BS, let's kick that peppy back in. See, one of the reasons why we have formulated all of these half-assed legislative remedies is because they're they're just as they're they're really devised to make Republicans look good. Yep. And if they if they save some kids in the interim, muy bien. But but the that's the that's it's, the right reason they're yep. doing this. But the real reason is my to basic, cover for the Republican Party. My base is going to be real pissed if I don't get something done on this. That's exactly. Yeah. Make sure you weren't you, you got to get your your, your pro life we below badge for the next election. That's the real reason. All right. And no, this has nothing to do with Donald Trump. I've been doing this show since I since long before since he was still just a reality star. This has been an ongoing argument within the movement. And then if you watch the CNN clip that Aaron showed, what is the question that Rick Santorum made them show their asses because they couldn't answer it without revealing what's really at the heart of darkness here? That's at the heart of all of this. What's the question that he asked? Oh, if it's not a person, what is it? What is it? When does life begin? What is, what is a human life? That's the, that's the question all of our legislation should have been provoking the last 20 years. If you wanted to do principled incrementalism, you should have started with heartbeat bills like 30 years ago, because at least now we're, now we are provoking this question because a heart signifies in any medical endeavor, a heart is symbolic that what exists life, life. So instead of, um, you know, we want to show you an ultrasound, uh, we, we, we want, and those things can be of value, but all of these regulations how do we know since Planned Parenthood's doing the majority of abortions? And we, if you watch the Unplanned movie, we learn they don't show you the what? The ultrasound. It's bad for business. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I just kind of think that if, if, if you're clubbing little babies over the head and then sucking their brains out for money, lying on some forms, probably not like a huge conscientious objection for you. Just what? throwing yeah. that out there. Yeah. I don't know, man. I mean, that's probably that's probably a step. You're probably arguing down with your conscience what at conscience? that point. Yeah. yeah, what conscience is the correct answer? Thank you, sir. Yes. And by forcing them, forty six years too late, to finally answer these questions, now they are for the first time the Malekians here. They are the death cult is really now truly telling us what they think. They don't care. They just want to kill these children and all of the terms they've ever used in the past were in effort to dehumanize them so they could justify it to their own conscience, which is the same thing that's been done to the other that we as a species have, have exterminated throughout the long course of our jagged sinful history east of Eden. There's nothing new under the sun, nothing new. This is the same thing that's gone on in every society that has found a scapegoat to victimize and murder in order to cover for their own sins and, to, and, to, and, and just justify their own rationalizations and excuses. But our answer has been, for the most part, legislatively, let's just slap some regulations on them. Okay. Well, this clinic in Pennsylvania that uh, State Representative Brian Sims uh, was uh, uh, showing, uh, you know, maximum douchery in those videos. 
Uh, this is from Allison Centifante over at Live Action, and she's linked the actual report from the Pennsylvania Department of Health. All right, so this is this is cited data from the State Department of Health in Pennsylvania. You guys ready for this? All right. Um, this Planned Parenthood clinic has failed 13 out of 23 health inspections. Is that bad? Hey, your kid is sick. You're going to go to the doctor today. Might I recommend a clinic that's failed 13 of its last 23 inspections? Would you take your kid there? No. Hell no, you wouldn't. You'd kill your kid there, though. Because they're not there for health. They're there for the kill. You know who else doesn't worry about health inspectors? Guillotine operators. Gas chamber operators. Electric chair operators. Lethal injection operators. Mob hitmen. You know, other people that do a form of killing for hire. Some of it justified, some of it not. But they're not really concerned about health inspectors either. Because the goal here is not your health. It's your death. Because they'd be pissed if they failed 13 out of 23 executions more than they would be That's 13 exactly out of 23 right. health inspections. They, they, according to the Pennsylvania State Board, State Department of Education, they've been cited for failure to report child sex abuse. They've been cited for improperly storing bodies of aborted babies. Those are remains, life, limbs. They've been cited for a failure to report a serious incident to a patient. You know, the kind of stuff that uh, got Kermit Gosnell busted. Uh, no background checks. They were cited for no background checks on their employees. You know, we're told we need to make this safe, legal, and rare. We're talking about the most intimate aspects of the female anatomy that we're handling, that we're sharing, that we're storing in files. And this place was cited for no background and checks on its employees. Are you freaking kidding me? No. Because it's not a real business. It's murder for hire. It's a death cult. In another time, they just line up there from Molech and, and throw their babies into the fire. Just do it by another means. Allison concludes with, even with all of these cited failures, there is no indication that this location was ever fined, penalized, or forced to close until the failures had been remedied. I mean, I think it's a great idea to have the people who don't see any problem with that just to make all your healthcare decisions for you. What do you think? In any other context, if that was an OBGYN clinic or any place else where a woman goes for a pap or a breast exam or any other sort of maintenance or health checkup or upkeep of the female persuasion, if in any other context they were cited for those things and no fines, no remedies, no warnings were put forth, what would be the outcry rightfully so about that? So why not here? Because this isn't about women and it's not about the care for women and it never has been and it never will be. It's a death cult. It's about killing people. That's why. That's what it's about. It is the devil's oldest, oldest lie other than the original one. 
In fact, the first time we truly ever act out east of Eden on the original lie, what is committed? What's committed? The first time, the first time east of Eden, we ever, ever as a species act out on, did God really say? What, what, what is the act that is then committed? Murder. Murder. The first time. This is not a coincidence. There's nothing new under the sun. The devil just reboots a greatest, his greatest hits album. His version of Led Zeppelin 4, Back in Black. He just reboots it every generation. And we do the time warp again. And that is why every, every era, it's an anthropological fact, every era of human civilization has practiced some form of human sacrifice. Some form of it. This, for all of our enlightenment, this is ours. Your thoughts, gentlemen. Well, uh, let's throw Ocasio-Cortez's little screed in there. You know what? She's right about something in there. Most men don't know anything about women's biology outside of our bodies, outside of what they can get from it. Nailed it. Now do you. Because the same applies to women. The exact same thing applies. Uh, you didn't get pregnant uh, just because dandelion spores drifted through the air. You got what you wanted. You did what you wanted. You didn't care about the consequences. And maybe even worse, unlike the guys, just uh, running around in horn dog ignorance, aren't you the ones who should know better? If you're saying you know better, you know more, and you're still killing? Wow. I mean... The most grievous sins, you got to, not only do you have to know it's a grievous sin in Catholic teaching, uh, it doesn't just have to be a grievous sin, but you need to know it's a grievous sin. You're making the case that your sin is worse, Ocasio-Cortez. I know you don't understand that, but you are, because if you truly understand the glory of how you were fearfully and wonderfully made by your creator, you would not talk so fast and loose. You, you, you are taking the Lord's name in vain at the most grotesque level. We talked about yesterday. You are turning reality upside down. Not to mention the reason why most men don't know anything about women's bodies except what they want from it is because her worldview won the day. Yeah. You don't have to know. You don't have to care yeah, for she me. She got what she wanted. Yes, That's my yes. point. You don't have to care for me. You don't have to walk through life with me. You don't have to suffer with me. You don't have to do anything at all all right, to get me to give you, uh, men, what what you want the most, because you know feminism. You don't have to. You don't. You don't. You don't have to know any. You don't have to stick around and raise your daughters because you're raising four of them. I'm raising two. You have to do. You don't have to do any of that. Okay. You don't have to do any of it whatsoever. You don't, because there's no obligations. Because that would you know entail some form of moral discernment and standard. And of course, we can't have that because you know heteronormative patriarchy and all. So your 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 point that she is indicting herself and her own worldview with those statements is exactly right. Exactly right. Your thoughts, Aaron? Yeah. And this um, I, again, I, it's a shame that nobody watches CNN, but this still serves a purpose, I think, to illustrate. That there should be never, never should be any excuse unless they just don't agree with us and they're just lying to us that any of your favorite pro-life politicians can't ask the same dang question. 
make the same line of reasoning, same line of logic that Rick Santorum did yesterday. And we've been critical of Rick Santorum quite a bit. What he did yesterday was force the issue. He did he did something we've been asking every Republican politician at the rhetorical level to do, and they hardly ever do it. At least they don't act upon it, as we would just addressed a few minutes ago. But you notice the rhetorical pretzels that these people are forced into because there is no recourse for them. There is no excuse. Like you said, this is what they really believe when they are forced to reveal what they really believe. When a w- woman gets pregnant, that's not a human being in there. And then at the end of the interview, before Chris Cuomo shuts off Rick Santorum's microphone, he says, this is a difficult decision for women that they have to live with for the rest of their lives. If it's not a human, why is it a difficult decision? That's exactly decision? right. Preach. Why? Preach. And he also says, he, Chris Cuomo also says, the only, thing, the only thing that two human beings, a man and a woman, can create is another human being. So if if we believe that, could we do like I don't know, I don't know, maybe a three fifths compromise on abortion? Since since the only thing that can be created is another human being, I mean, at least we can find some common ground. I mean, the law was changed. He makes this case that you know legally uh, it's not a human being. Well, the law was changed uh, on a different subject to you know something similar. Could we do a three fifths compromise on abortion? Chris? Yeah, would, would Chris but Cuomo no. have stood up in but 1950 no. and said, "Hey, uh, the law has says you all drink at uh, separate fountains. That's the yeah, law." Yeah, no, but no, because it's not about compromise. It's not about any of that. They just told you. And uh, uh, somebody who follows us on Twitter, uh, his name is I think his name is Scott. He made this great observation, You just from the rhetorical standpoint, and this all happened within 60 seconds. When it was convenient for them, they made the moral argument for abortion. When it was convenient for them, they made the legal argument for abortion. It is so, this is the easiest, guys, this is the easiest issue to debate at a rhetorical level. And as you as you pointed out, the reason why so many of these clinics are closing is because we're winning that debate. We're not just winning a rhetorical, uh, ethereal um debate here. Uh, I think this is starting either either from the um, compassion for the baby part of it or from the disgust and make it stop standpoint. Rhetorically and hearts and minds wise, we're winning the debate. It's just whether or not we've had enough. It's whether or not we've actually uh, decided that, you know what, six weeks is not enough. I mean, I don't, I don't fault some of the great people of Georgia. Six weeks is not enough. Here in Iowa, heartbeat is not a, it is, it is not, we're not at that point yet, but if we can keep making those arguments and keep, keep forcing, actually forcing, go on, going on the offense on these issues, um, it's going to happen sooner than later. Can I echo that? It's really important mm-hmm. because I, one-on-one, I would, I would still take Rick Santorum on this issue over anyone I, he is outstanding on it but you saw at the end it's 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 not just the the pretzels then they rely it was a mob of two but they still go to it and they virtue signal each other and that's a mob that all of us on our side we need to break through when aaron's talking about going on offense that is still a very powerful thing to us we mock it and it's it's a joke but it puts a lot of people off they don't want to go there don't they don't want to be called names you need to break through that mob yes. whether it's two or ten or a hundred because They'll rely on it, and they win with it all the time. Rhetoric, mere words, is not enough. It's going to take action here and no further. This is why this is the argument we needed to have. We needed to we needed pro-choice America, and most of the people that call themselves pro-choice, and this would have been me when I was years ago, people who find the practice as a standalone entity abhorrent and can't envision ever signing off on it themselves. 
but don't think that you know um, they they can impose their beliefs on this on somebody else. That's, that's what who I'm, most, you got to break through that. Yeah, yep. that's the, who the vast majority of pro-choice people are, and they need to hear. They need to hear the heart of darkness. Get beyond the talking points. It's not about women's. It's not about any of this. It's about killing these kids, and they need to hear them say it. Mm-hmm. They need to hear them say that's not a human being. While another person says it is a human being, but it doesn't matter. They they need to hear this. They but they're not going to be provoked to that conversation by oh, when does our fetus feel pain? When does that happen? You know, we spent forty million some odd dollars taking that case all the way to the Supreme Court, and all we did was ban one method of late term partial birth abortion. That's why we're still debating it right now. Here's what this is about. It's not about anything else other than this. They want to kill these children. Here's what this is about. It's not about anything else other than this. They want to kill these children. Here's what this is about. It's not about anything else other than this. They want to kill these children. If you are not making an argument or a point or an illustration that doesn't point people to that truth, you're making the wrong argument, point, illustration. Daniel Horowitz will take us inside politics here live and on demand on The Blaze when we come back. Hey, if you're one of those, uh, I got to get up early in the morning for work, or I'm worried about that afternoon crash at work uh, kinds of uh, people. Uh, that uh, is purchasing a lot of those, uh, you know, energy drinks, uh, those uh, little bottles uh, that uh, supposedly give your body uh, bursts of energy. Uh, have you ever looked at the labels on those things and and seen how many ingredients are in there and then how many of them you can phonetically pronounce? <laughs> All right. So, you know, before you go down that road, uh, try a more natural way of giving your body uh, bursts of energy, maybe uh, improved mood as well for up to 10 hours, no jitters, no afternoon crash. And here's another really important thing, no calories and no sugar. Uh, this is a product called From Dawn to Dusk from our friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, uh, that team of physicians that gathered together to try to develop uh, today's most advanced formula to stimulate more than just your heart, but also your brains and uh, your brain cells. So if you want to give this product a shot, 15% off of your first order today when you go to BrickHouseSteve.com and you use my name, Steve, as a promo code, you'll get 15% off of your first order when you give it a shot today. Again, it's called From Dawn Till Dusk, BrickHouse Steve. That's the website, BrickHouseSteve.com. Promo code Steve, get 15% off of your first order. All right, let's welcome in our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, Daniel Horowitz, here to take us inside politics. Good to see you, my friend. How are you? Doing all right, thank God. Great to be back with you, Steve. Good to have you back here with us. I wanted to get your take on two interesting tweets that I saw yesterday. Um, And uh, they're from Eric Erickson over at The Resurgent. 
And I, I want to share them with the audience and then discuss them from a perspective standpoint. He writes, it's, it's hard to treat so much of political commentary seriously these days. Progressives are upset about Trump giving Tiger Woods the Medal of Freedom, but weren't over Michael Jordan. They're angry Trump might not concede defeat in 2020, but they're okay with Stacey Abrams uh, not doing it now. Um, Trump supporters hated tariffs until Trump did it. Now they justify it. They would have been outraged if the North Korean situation wound up exactly like it has, but Obama was president. So much of our political discourse is intellectually dishonest these days. I, I, I have two questions. I want to tackle them one at a time. His present analysis. I know you and I would agree with his assessment of the situation as it presently stands, correct? We would agree with most of that. Yep. All right. So then this becomes a matter of perspective because one of the things I've talked on this show about for years, and you've been a part of that conversation now since he first came down that escalator, is this notion that Trump broke the system. And I don't think that's true whatsoever. I mean, I got an entire chapter in this book here that says he's neither the problem and likely not the long-term solution. He is a symptom of the problem that already existed and because I do think the answer to this question is important for what is going to come when this era ends, whether it ends next November or it ends four years from now. All right. This idea that everything's going to go back now to the way that it was. All right. Where, you know, I mean, we didn't apologize for guns and butter in the Bush years. We didn't apologize for race to the top. We didn't apologize for no child left behind. We didn't, we didn't suddenly decide that uh, Medicare Part D was a great idea. I mean, I, I, that's not the case. The, I, the you know, Democrats didn't suddenly decide that you know feminism was great until they found out that uh, Bill Clinton was a groper, and now suddenly it's not. I, tell me, I don't, I don't see this though as new. Is it new? You know, Steve, I think there's there's two layers of what we're seeing here. One is the general um, binary idolatry: the enemy of my enemy is is the friend is my friend, and, and vice versa. Uh, the tribalism, I'm going to rally around my guy. And one is a unique set of problems to conservatives that we don't have any ideology. The left certainly does. Now, they'll be intellectually dishonest even after having that ideology. Our side doesn't even have an ideology to begin with, not at least at the elite level. So therefore, we're even more prone to just grabbing onto ephemeral, um, you know, hot takes, uh, policy endorsements, political endorsements, you name it. Mm -hmm. But I really think, Steve, what broke the back of the system is what is often forgotten. I don't think that's so much political. I think it's technology. I mean, you mm -hmm. cannot deny the role that technology of the last decade has played in the political system. You used to have um, political stories, happenings in the world, and by extension, beliefs stew over time where people would think about them and you know you'd have long-standing views you see it in polling data on a number of issues you would have inveterate constituencies behind certain issues and it would take a long time to change now you could change the world in three weeks because three weeks worth of um news dissemination has as much uh gosh if you could have a measure like neutrons and joules uh, a measure of media saturation three weeks is as much as three years uh, in the 1990s. So I think that's a big part of it. I don't think it's anyone's fault um, that we're just so saturated. So we immediately have to react, get defensive or offensive, in pro or con, the guy who's viewed as either our leader or the enemy of our side. 
And that's the system we find ourselves in today. So it's absolutely not going to change. It's irrevocable in the era of of social media. Um, but like I said, I think it's just exacerbated on our side that we don't have a movement that knows how to think about what is it we believe on North Korea, China, Iran, immigration, healthcare, debt, and stick with it. Whereas the other side, at least as a baseline, does have a position on most of those issues. I mean, we overlooked the fact Mitt Romney gave Barack Obama his worst idea before he had it. And, you know, pl plenty of people in our industry said he's the guy that was going to save us from Obamacare when it, this was actually, you know, um, uh, his progeny. You know, the, the, the debates we're having now about telling Catholic charities they if they don't do gay adoptions, we'll shut them down. Romney did all that stuff in Massachusetts like 15 years ago. I mean, the difference, though, you what you just said about the technology that that, that is a, there's two other major differences where this comes into play. When I wrote Rules for Patriots in 2014, and and you know, I I one of the things that's in Rules for Patriots is, is the old Pepsi Challenge blind taste test from when we were kids. What do you like best, right? And and I just put up the record on issues important to conservatives of Bill Clinton's eight years and George W. Bush's eight years, didn't give the names. And I asked the reader, who do you think was the Republican? They ended up, almost everybody I talked to was shocked to learn this was actually Bill Clinton's record. All right. So the, the difference nowadays is the technology makes it easier for people like you and I to point out uh, the accountability aspects that even, even five, six, seven years ago, they could get away with stuff that they, they can't get away with now, which I think drives these points home all the more. And then there's one more too. And that is 10 years ago, 10 years ago, when some Hollywood nut job said that, uh, if you don't believe in abortion, you know, you shouldn't, you know, have a job. You're, you didn't see your Democrat friend and family member like that statement. You didn't see it. Nowadays, you log on to Facebook or Twitter and you see your Democrat family member, coworker, or friend like when Hollywood Nutjob says, throw those Christians and, and, and religious people in jail that don't want to bake uh, gay marriage cakes. You, there's no, there's no, all, all veneers all insulation, all cartilage in the knee is now gone. And everything's out in the open, just like on the other side, when they see, when they, when they say us, when they hear us say Islam's a false religion. There aren't there aren't 75 paths to God. All right. They see us say things that in the past they that were, you know, that are abhorrent on the other side that they weren't exposed to as well. There, there's no buffer anymore. Everything's out in the open, provided you're willing to open your eyes. I think I think that's where there is some of the change. But I think the basic dynamic yep. of whoring yourself out for your political party or for your guy, I don't I don't know that that's any different than what it was before. No, like I said, I mean, from that element of it, the Democrat end is certainly uh, the same. I don't see much difference other than technology. I think has radicalized at least their elite or activist base. Whereas on the Republican signing, increasingly, they don't have any views. So sometimes, it, you know, it runs to our advantage that I think, at least on paper, the Republican, you know, the RNC is putting out social media memes on issues that we agree with, like on immigration, not that they'll do anything about it, but it's something they wouldn't have done 10 years ago, uh, because they'll just grab on to anything that is, is thrown out there. I also think, Steve, this is why 
I don't think if we, God forbid, had a 9-11 moment or incident in this country right now, I don't think we could ever reap that post 9-11 unity we had. I think oh, we would be on Twitter in five minutes in five blaming, seconds, yeah. find, finding some narrative to blame yeah. the other America back and forth as to why they allowed and permitted this to happen. There's, there's, that's it, not there's even no, a debatable yeah. point. Yeah, yeah and, and that that's the problem. Now, the one thing I do wonder, and this harks back to what we spoke about last week on your show, which is how deep does that go among the American electorate? In other words, you have, you know, let's say 20% on each side that's very intense. I would argue it's really more on the left. I, there's data showing that they're just more prolific on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, culturally, they're younger. Um, they're more tech-savvy. How much of it really is internalized by the vast majority of Americans? I mean, you saw that comment from Amy Klobuchar, one of the Democrat uh, candidates for president, where even she said from her perspective, you know, they're more worried about addiction, mental health issues. No one nobody ever asks about Mueller yet, even on our side. I mean, I can't get anyone engaged on any issue I want to talk about because even a month and a half after we thought Mueller ended, it's now in full force. And that's all they want to talk about. You know, if you want anecdotal evidence to support your hypothesis, there's new data out today. It, now, for the seventh time in the last 10 years, Chick-fil-A is the number one uh, retail or number one uh, selling uh, fast food restaurant chain, number one in, in total sales, seven out of the last 10 years uh, now for, for Chick-fil-A. And yet... In the, in the world that people like you and I inhabit, and a lot of people who watch shows like ours and listen to podcasts like ours inhabit, there's this notion that this restaurant chain has been under constant siege, right? That they've been under constant existential threat, and they could go out of business at any minute because they're, the left is gunning for them. They've, they've led America in fast food sales seven of the last 10 years when this has all been going on. How about that? It's because the people that are involved in in politics are so defined by social media. I mean, it's an alternative universe. This is a big thing. And by the way, you see it certainly with the homosexual agenda. It's it's a mile wide and it's an inch deep. Right. Um, everyone is cowed into supporting it. They're like, all right, I'm I'm either scared or I don't care anymore. But you. This notion that there's 51% or 71% of Americans that are just virulently obsessed with making a you know, a sex change operation on any every stone and rock in this country. I just don't think that exists, but I think too many Republicans and even conservatives, they get caught in by these memes and they don't recognize what is really a pervasive trend. One of the things that I'm really thankful to Donald Trump for is that I believe amidst some of the dumb things he said that invariably did hurt him, but I think a lot of the things that he said that pertain to policies that you and I agree with, that the media and even the Republican political class viewed as suicidal, mm-hmm. I think he successfully pushed the Overton window yes. back on that in our favor. Now, oh, you can't, yes. you can't say that. But it, it, you know what it's like, Steve? Social media to politics is kind of like the stock market to the business world. It's mm-hmm. a bubble. It creates asset bubbles that are superficial. They're artificial. They don't reflect the organic growth of that industry or that company. And it's a similar thing here. I mean, I'll just give you an example. A lot of stuff has been going on in Israel over the weekend. If you go on social media, you would think it's like 80-20 pro-Palestinian. But if you look at any Gallup poll on that issue, now you do have a part of the Democrat base that is increasingly more anti-Israel, mm-hmm. but it's still 
the country at large, it's a clear majority that that's the opposite. So to me, I think it's incumbent upon all Republicans, even establishment ones, to begin questioning what really is a deep held view in this country because I think that's a more complicated question than it's ever been. That gets me to where I wanted to go with our final question for you here today, Daniel. The idea that when he leaves, because of what you just said, I keep trying to warn people of this. The idea that if we just get rid of Donald Trump, we can go back to the exact same scam. That's never happening again. The genie is not going back in the bottle. The Republican base has learned, you know, we can say some of these things and get away with it. So I'm not going back to Mitt Romneyism, John McCainism, even Bushism. You know, um, appreciate their service to the country. And you know, like uh, in the case of McCain and with the Bushes, many of them are war heroes. For example, uh, you know, Mitt Romney and the fine work that he did with the Olympics—that's great. But in terms of facing the existential threat of the uh, of the of the pagan left forces outside my city gate trying to lay siege to it, I'm not going back to, you know, I respect my Democratic friend. I don't want to question their motives while they're calling you every name in the book. Our base is never going back to that. And I think I think the system is not prepared for that. I think it's lying to itself. Like it lied to itself that that Trump broke the system. No, they broke the system. And that's why Trump took advantage of it. When Trump goes away, they think they're going to go back to the original rules of engagement that's not going to happen i believe oh no i mean the, the base is not going to accept that I, I, you just take a look at the percentage of voters and gosh this seems like ages ago two and a half three years ago now um during the republican primary before the democrats got even crazier when what was it 70 to 80 percent of voters in, in in the early states voted for trump and cruz um, and it was all based on a perception of what they believed they stood for. And it certainly wasn't the Mitt Romneyism uh, that's endemic in the party, really still controlling the Senate and House leadership and all the think tanks and all the NGOs and uh, whatever else in uh, Republican politics, which includes most state legislatures as well. So I think that unless the conservatives would fail to field a single candidate, um, and we'd be stuck with no other option. I don't see how any of them could even get off the ground. Mm -hmm. The challenge is going to be, you know, you're going to have a lot of fakes and fraudsters. But, you know, I see people like Ron DeSantis, Tom Cotton as really competing in 2024. Guys like that, you are not going to go back to the days of the Jeb Bushes. It's just not going to happen. They're not going to get a single vote. Mm -hmm. um, and, and if nothing else, guess who gets a vote? Democrats. They have a say in this. And they're not going to run on the old technocratic gradual expansion of of some programs. No, they're they're going to run on the culture war. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to get off of that. That's right. So it's a push pull. It's Newton's laws of political physics. You're going to have to have someone at least rhetorically, whether they follow through with that is a different story. But rhetorically, those days are over. Well said, my friend. We'll talk to you next week here on Blaze TV. Thanks for joining us. God bless. That's our good friend Daniel Horowitz talking inside politics here with us on the Steve Day Show. Hey, it is spring summer season that uh, is prime real estate season. If you're looking for an agent, you're looking for one that you can trust. And if you want to find a real estate agent you can trust, I got a handy little website for you. 
It's called realestateagentsitrust.com. I mean, I can't get more basic than that, right? This is an endeavor started by Glenn Beck and some of his friends a few years ago because they were tired of real estate agents who talked a good game, but then when they were needed the most, didn't deliver the desired results. You're looking for an agent that has a track record of, of successfully navigating a complicated real estate process where the laws and regulations are constantly changing and evolving. You're looking for somebody who understands data, but also knows that the value of your home goes beyond an algorithm. There are specific circumstances stances in play and so they don't spare the details but you're also then finally looking for an agent that you get along with and is willing to get along with you because you guys are going to have to work very closely together and this can be one of the more stressful things you'll ever endure uh, as either a consumer and or a seller all right so you need to find an agent that you can trust and to do that just simply visit the website realestateagentsitrust.com this is not about finding clients for agents this is about finding agents worthy of having you as a client, okay? Realestateagentsitrust.com. One more time. Realestateagentsitrust.com. You know what? I, I know it sounds weird to even say this, but based on what Daniel and I said, is it possible? Yes. <laughs> you don't know what I'm going to say. You're just assuming whatever crazy things we yep. think now are can, are actually capable of being true, right? You know what? I'm going to save that. I'm going to save that. We'll discuss it for a few minutes here on the other side, and then we'll get to everybody's favorite time of the week, buy, sell, or hold as well. Live and on demand right here on The Blaze. Keep it here. And greetings back with Hour 2, live at On Demand here on The Blaze. 888-900-3393 is the number. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us, D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Uh, and if you are listening today via podcast or on Blaze Radio and you don't have those graphics in front of you there, the last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. And if you are listening today via podcast, if you would mind leaving us a five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice, whatever that may be, we would greatly appreciate that. Uh, thousands of you have done this for us already, and uh, we appreciate you for doing that too. Uh, imagine being evicted from your own home for not paying home equity loans that uh, you never bothered to take out. Well, that's exactly what happened recently to a Portland couple. Uh, you could be the next victim. The crime is called home title fraud. Uh, I, I had no idea what this was uh, about a year ago. And then the folks at uh, Home Title Lock showed me how easily they could forge my signature. And I think I might even showed you, Aaron, maybe both of you at the time. Yeah. And, and we were like, we could not believe how close it was to what I, you know, how I actually signed my name. And uh, the reason they're doing this is because a lot of our, our the titles to our homes nowadays are kept online. Uh, so they go on there. Uh, maybe they've got a piece of identifying information they got from a data breach somewhere, claim they're you, forge their your signature. Uh, it's, it's really theirs. Uh, forge your signature onto a document and refile the home in their name instead. And I mean, this can be devastating. 
and your bank won't protect you. Your mortgage lender won't protect you. Identity theft protection can't protect you. Not even your homeowner's insurance will protect you. But for just pennies a day, Home Title Lock will protect the most valuable investment most Americans will ever own, their own home. If you want to learn more, go to the website, hometitlelock.com. While you're there, sign up for a free title scan and report, normally a $100 value. But your chance to see is my home's title already targeted has it already been tampered with you can find out for free at hometitlelock.com gentlemen before we get to buy seller hold this week your thoughts on the conversation we just had with daniel horowitz which which really kind of broke down i thought into three phases one that while we shared eric erickson's lament about how much of the political analysis today cannot be taken seriously we don't view that this is we don't think that that's any different than when Remember Hannity and Combs, you know, sure. I mean, that literally Bill Clinton could walk out onto the White House lawn, put a gun to just a random stranger's head, pull the trigger, drop him. And Alan Combs would be on Fox that night saying, dude, he needed killing. And then Bill Clinton could have come out with the, you know, uh, the formula for cold fusion. And, you know, Sean Hannity would have said, well, you know, this is a plot from when he visited uh, the Soviet Union when he was uh, dodging the draft. I mean, that, this is not new. I don't think what he is talking about is new. I share the same lament, but I don't think it's new. Uh, the second thing we talked about, what is new is the flow of information that makes us more aware of what it is that Erickson is describing. We're probably more aware of it than we ever were before. But then the third phase, which is, you also know where everybody stands if you care to look in ways you never did before. And so the dynamic is not new, but how amplified it is may be. You guys' thoughts on that? Well, uh, the only, Ed, at the end where you said the kind of the Overton window has been blown up and it'll it never go back again, the base won't accept it. Uh, I have some apprehension there. Only the ba the base might not accept it. With it, it, it goes back to what we said earlier on the show. It's going to be more than mere rhetoric. It might require an a a, a stern electoral whooping in at least one cycle to make that clear. Where that base says, "Fine, you lose," and it's not it's not just us talking about it. It is that base clearly saying, "Yeah, but Hillary" or something like that. I. I the stubbornness of the system, it, it's easy to cast off Jeb Bush, but the Mitch McConnells in the world are, are, are going to try to beat that system. And they're going to count on the acquiescence, the psychological acquiescence. But, but who else am I going to vote for? It might take one electoral cycle to prove what you're talking about. Can I follow up with him, Aaron, before yeah. I bring you in? Yeah. Because that you touched on what I was teasing at the top of, oh. or the end of last hour. So it's a good segue to go there next, real quick with you. Let's let's do some game theory. Let's say that the Republican Party's efforts, the Republican Party made an effort to stop someone like a Donald Trump from winning the nomination. And it worked. And the alternative, though, wasn't a Ted Cruz. Because they, I can make an argument they hated him more for re different reasons. Meaning that they thought maybe in the end, when it came down to basically those two, they made the Faustian bargain that at some level maybe they can get Trump to go along with them art of the deal ways. Maybe they thought Cruz would not cut deals for the same reasons. Mm -hmm. So he was less sellable on assimilation. Um, 
but so they didn't replace him with someone who was looked at as a conservative principled outsider in that cycle. But he's replaced by, and, and, and not, let's not go to the extreme of a John Kasich, a Scott Walker or a Jeb Bush. Let's go there. Or a Marco Rubio, one of those three, mm-hmm. all right? And let's say they run. Now, I think we all agree here, Hillary was a vulnerable mm-hmm. candidate. She had two things yep. working against her. One, historically, it's hard to be the party in power going for three straight presidential election wins. And historically, it doesn't happen a lot. You know, uh, the Reagan era pulled it off with George H.W. Bush in 1988. But historically, going the same party going for three straight presidential wins, uh, it's, it, especially since the term limit era, within, you know, where you can't serve more than four terms. It's, it's been very difficult to pull that off. So she had history working against her, and then she, of course, had herself working against her. I mean, if it, if, if it weren't for Donald Trump, this woman would have gotten— a, whoever won that last election was going to win with the highest negatives of all time. Mm-hmm. They were both well in— to negative integers in their favorability ratings. So we agree that she was eminently beatable. If you nominate one of those other three candidates, if they would have beaten her, it wouldn't have looked like Trump's coalition. They would not have been able to bring in the three to six million people that voted for Obama twice and, and you know, you know mm-hmm. white working class neighborhoods, rural Americans. Mm-hmm. They would have seen those three guys as kind of the kind of Republican they can't stand anyway. You agree on that to some extent? Yeah. Maybe Walker would have still won in Wisconsin, though, because that's his home state. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but especially if Hillary never visits there, then I got to think the sitting governor of the state's going to win his state if Hillary never visits. But I also think they would have done better with suburban voters than Trump did. Right. Now, he still performed better than the polls thought he was going to in 2016, but he still did lose some ground with those voters in the suburbs. So they would have had to, they would have built more of your traditional looking Republican coalition. Still fair? Yeah. Okay. But let's say the party, one of those three guys does win the nomination and loses to Hillary Clinton. What is the state of the Republican party today? Uh, what do you think it is? What do you think the last few years would have been? On. Uh, not remarkably different than really? ever before. You don't think? I I think you would have seen uh, a party implode. I do think that. I I think if if they would have denied what does out, that implosion? What do you mean? Well, how it looks, I don't know how it plays out. You know, I don't know what the end game is. There's no Republican Party on the plat, but I think you would be looking at a a a modern version minus the violent protesting. But in terms of what it would look like on talk radio, social media, I think you'd be looking at the Republican version of the Chicago 68 convention every day. That's what I think you'd be looking at. I I think you would be watching a party implode. You know, especially as you watch Hillary, you know, put her boot to your throat and they nominate one of these other, these same Republicans types who never win. I mean, we've done all, I've done this show for, you know, I did it through 2008 through 2012. But but now go through it one more time and and have Hillary Clinton pushing the country further and further to the left with that as a backdrop at the same time. I, I think you would have watched the Republican Party implode. And I would have agreed with that sentiment a few years ago, but now I believe in total depravity, I guess. So I just don't... I the, 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 We have so come to expect nothing more than the lowest common denominator 
We don't, we aren't aspirational. You have got to be fundamentally aspirational in some way to do what you're talking about. Or fundamentally desperate. You know, I don't have to be, I don't have to be aspirational. There's nothing aspirational about the French Revolution. I'm just pissed uh, and I'm uh, not taking it anymore. I just have to be fundamentally desperate. I have to feel like there, I have to feel like I did everything you asked me to do. You, I, you, you've rigged the game. I cannot win. And you've left me no recourse, meaning that I think our base would have seen the Republican Party as offering them the same deal that the Democrats do. Just a different variation of either we slit your throat or you do it. Yeah, we're fine losing. We just we don't want to lose to people like you. I think there would have been an implosion. I just I, we live in a world now with the baby killings you just got done talking about. We don't know what a gender is. I the the crap we will sit and watch and eat mm. popcorn too, man. I guess what I'm trying to say is, as weird as this sounds, it, I, I, I wonder if a case could be made. The only thing holding the Republican Party together is actually Donald Trump. Yeah. So, Aaron, as you decide. I, you as decide. I've been listening, well, yeah. So you put as it I've, that way? As, as I've been listening to this, so we're, do, we're doing it, so, some version of alternate history right yeah. here. Yeah. So, and let me recap this because I wasn't paying very close attention. I'm just kidding. Uh, let me recap this. <laughs> This scenario, say in 2016, Donald Trump runs correct, but he is successfully taken out mm-hmm. by um, establishment Republicans replaced with a Marco Rubio, Scott Walker or Jeb Bush at all. Yeah. Same version, same version of Republican that most Republicans are um, at a national level. Yep. Um, and your contention is that we would be watching the Republican Party implode. How would things be? How would, Let's, yeah, yeah. Let's look at what we know now in reality, and let's. And I think it's really helpful. Don't t- t- think of this scenario in terms of the co- coalition Donald Trump put together in the general election. Think of, about it in terms of who voted for Donald Trump in the primaries. Mm-hmm. Would those basically the question we're asking here is: Would those people have responded to whoever the rights version of Alyssa Milano uh, justifying Joe Biden? Would those people have rep- responded positively? to whoever the Republican Party version of that would have been in 2016, justifying themselves um, or justifying whoever the establishment um, Republican is. I think that's the question that we're really asking here. How would they have responded to that? If they would have responded with, I ain't doing this anymore, instead of Mitt Romney is our savior, like we have in the past, um, I I think you could be on to something. But it all depends on whether we fall for the canard. Uh, whoever we nominate is just better than better than whoever is uh, uh, whoever the Democrats nominate. We we know from history that well, first of all, neither side. There's this notion that you well, you can't win with only your base, and that is true. But but see, here's the there. That's a false choice. No one's arguing you can win with only your base. The argument is, can you win without your base? See, that's the argument. Right? And what history had showed us up until 2012 is that the answer is no. Whoever's base is the most mobilized wins. Whoever's base is the most energized wins. Now, in 2012, Mitt Romney on purpose went out of his way not to energize and mobilize his base. You know, we talked with Daniel about Chick-fil-A today. Uh, there's a study out today that for this is now year seven in the last 10 years. It's the number one in terms of total sales fast food chain in America. Mitt Romney wouldn't eat a wouldn't eat a chicken sandwich. He had to virtue signal to Politico. That's not a part of my campaign. Instead, I mean, Mitt Romney devised a campaign. It's it's 
it, if you look if you look back, and maybe they didn't set out to do this. Maybe they're not as sinister sinister as I you know surmise. But whether it was purposeful, like I believe, or not, the end result is the same. The point of the campaign the entire time was never to truly energize the Republican base. So that if you so that if you get elected without without energizing them, you don't owe them anything. And therefore you can banish them to the kiddies table and say the adults have this now. Thank you very much. I, I don't have any promises to keep. That was the that was the end result, whether it was intended or not. And he lost. No Republican, no Democrat. No one wins without an energized base. Can't win with just that base, but you can't win without it either. The base that you just talked about, you know, Daniel talked about the total votes received by Ted Cruz and Donald Trump corporately in the Republican primary process was nearly 70% of the total vote. You know, you look at, you look at the amount of people that went into open primaries and voted for Trump. That had, that had never voted in a Republican primary before or hadn't voted in one in years and had voted for Obama twice, that number is at least in the hundreds of thousands. So it's safe to deduce, uh, using Occam's razor here, there's maybe two reasons, two, two motivate. So the next question that we have to, who voted? Well, 70, 70% of those who voted in the primary. So you just tell, so the next question then became becomes, what's their motivation um, for voting for those two? And I think there's only two options for that. They're both outsiders. One yeah. was more outsidery than the other. Or um, they were really entertaining, which can only be true of Donald Trump. Yep. So I think the, the 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 motivation is the outsider. So I think, I don't yeah. know, I think that I mean, supports then, your... One guy's a freshman senator who 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 got his name, made his bones on, one, on two things. One was a filibuster. We're in the middle of it. He basically told Harry Reid, you know, to... Uh, go copulate himself on national television and then stood up and told Mitch McConnell he was a liar to his face in the Senate floor. And the other guy is, is who has made a career out of being both, you know, a, a pretty good eye for real estate properties and a provocateur. It, it certainly wasn't for their political resumes that those were the two candidates that got the bulk of the votes and the bulk of the delegates. It, it certainly wasn't for a long tenured list of legislative accomplishments. That's indicative of people we're looking for. I literally want anything other than what you want to sell me. I literally want anything other than that. So if they had been successful in forcing that sale down that down their throat one more time, you know, they also would have needed Hillary uh, to win too, because history shows Republican nominees who win that way don't win the general election. They leave too much of their base at home. I think we need to go back three years and remind ourselves, though, what we thought about what may or may not implode the Republican Party. I mean, did we, and who the base is and what they care about. Did we think three years ago, three plus, whatever, that it was possible that the evangelical South, given the choice to vote for Ted Cruz, would choose Donald Trump over Ted Cruz? We didn't think that was possible. And they're... Uh, it happened. And one reason we were against the notion of Donald Trump to be president is because of concerns about of implosion of Republican Party and not having, it wasn't the only reason, but not having a, a viable alternative, which just speaks to my point of, I, I, I don't trust what and who the base is. And what... And we might be dealing with two totally different bases. And what they will come to accept if 
when when the rubber finally meets the road, which is also why I honestly tell you, I didn't vote for Donald Trump then. I have no idea what I'm going to do come election day. See, I'll I, be don't, a- I don't think we're, we disagree, maybe. Maybe we're talking about two different bases. That's why I'm saying who okay. is the base and then yeah. what were their motivations for 70, per, you yeah. know, for, for voting for 70%. I think outside. we have, you know, we've talked, there's two Democratic bases on this show in the past. I, I think we need to come to the realization there's two Republican bases. There's the group of folks who watch shows and networks and subscribe to things like The Blaze, you know, or read a Breitbart or, um, you know, uh, listen to certain talk radio programs. And then there's your, hey, I've been a Republican all my life, generic Republican, nominate yellow dog, you know, Democrat bad. I I think maybe there's two bases here. And... um, and I think maybe that it, it, why for those of you wondering why is this conversation important? Because it tells us a lot about what the future will be when the when the Trump era, whatever that is, ends. Whether the voters end it in November of next year, or it ends four years from now, or Trump wins re-election and says, you know what, I'm gonna you know I'm gonna do this for one more year and right off into the sunset, mic drop. I got my jollies. I proved my point. See on the flip side, whenever it ends. I think the answer to this debate tells us a lot about what is coming in the future after that era ends. That's why uh, it's worthy of having the conversation. Let's get to uh, one of our favorite times each and every week. It's called Buy, Sell, or Hold. This is when Aaron will, with a little help from his friends, you in the audience, propose certain propositions for Todd and I to decide. Are we going to buy that? Are we going to sell that? Hopefully, we have a very good reason why. Once per week, we are permitted a hold. If we do so for any other reason other than that's just too lame for me to answer, then you indeed, sir, are a punk. And the dude code calls for you to be called out. Buy, sell, or hold this week is brought to you by our friends at Relief Factor. Millions of Americans are missing work, suffering with what's called chronic pain. This is pain that results from inflammation. You're buying creams, uh, pain relievers, etc. Um, so many people here at The Blaze have seen positive results with Relief Factor. And I can now add my name to the list. You know, uh, Todd and Aaron can tell you they're not hearing me. I'm doing the same workout routine. Just the same level of intensity. Yeah, guys haven't heard me complaining about soreness. Have you seen me even kind of dragging or limping around here? Because, no. I mean, I, I I literally work out. I finish my workout about an hour before I come in here in the morning. And I go home, shower up, or shower at the gym, and then come here. You know, so... Uh, and if we see you, we also hear about it, too. Yes. So, yes. Because I'm a guy, and we we whine about those things. That, that, and, ladies, you know this. You know, you know your man can have his arm dangling out here. I'm good, man. I got this. No problem, man. I'm good. All right? But if indeed his if back is sore, <laughs> yes. if his back is sore or, his, or he's got the sniffles, I don't, I just don't think I can do this anymore. That, that's just, you know, every woman is not, we know. Yeah, that's how we roll as men. All right. But I have not, I, I don't even take like uh, the Bengay roller or the Icy Hot roller. Any, I don't even take that. I've not, I've, used, I've not used it in about two weeks. I don't even take it to the gym with me anymore when I'm done. All right. So again, we're not talking about healing injuries. I'm not. Sell- I'm not Benny Hinn here. Right? I'm not. I'm not selling you snake oil. We're talking about dialing down the inflammation that causes chronic pain. So if you've got an injury, go to the doctor. Okay. But if you want to treat the inflammation, well, this relief factor was created by doctors to do that. It is drug-free, four key ingredients that help your body win the fight against that inflammation that's causing the chronic pain. Get a three-week starter kit right now for a dollar a day. 
all right, 20 bucks. And the reason they offer this is because people see results like I'm seeing and have a tendency to say, hey, I want to keep using that on a regular basis. So you've got nothing to lose except maybe, hopefully, finally, the pain. And, and try to get rid of it right now at relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com. Aaron, the floor is yours. All right, we'll start with Eric, who says there will never be another presidential election where the losing party's base actually concedes defeat. <sighs> Never. Um, I got to sell on that. I mean, never is a... I mean, with any... Never is a long, long time. People say things, so it can't just be... I mean, even... They'll they'll say that even if they were crushed. I mean, uh, yes, I mean, what happened down in Georgia, that that, that was a legitimately uh, close race, if they all like that, but they won't all be like that. And people will still say things, though. That's not... Even though Abrams, at least emotionally, you know, understand why that was a hard one for her. I mean, now she's turned that into a cottage industry for herself, and that's lame. But uh, at the outset, I mean, that's what politicians do. They try to, you know, finagle their way into some kind of post-election relevance. But I've still got to sell on this only because it's just because one twit says it after getting destroyed doesn't mean that it's viable. Except she's not just one. I know. She gets cheered. And she, she gets it, crowds for yeah, that cottage even industry. Even you admitted she's turned it into a cottage oh, yeah, industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's legion. And I I don't like all the ways, and I've I've been critical of them. I, I don't like all the ways we have justified dumbassery on here in what's left of America in response to the uh, jackassery and tomfoolery we see in the left America. You know, I'm not big on adopting their tactics, for example. You know, I don't think it's it ever really works to try to win God's games by game by the devil's rules for example but I, I what I do like there's a couple of them I do like like I'm totally all in on forcing them to live by their own fake phony standards I'm totally okay with that right and I do like this notion of um we're no longer gonna you know agree to the terms of we bring a spork and you bring uh, an Uzi to the OK Corral and call it fair. I like that, okay? And so since the, I, I don't foresee a Democratic president in my future, and maybe if Joe Biden were to be the nominee and lose and it would be somewhat decisive, he's the only one I can envision potentially for the rest of my lifetime or the, the time of the two-party system that would concede in the traditional way, given where we're at culturally. And if that's the case, then you're going to see much more pressure on this. Republican candidates will concede if, if Todd is right and we go back to some form of generic Republicanism. But I think this is actually more true than Todd thinks it is. And I think it's indicative of what happens when you're in a civil war. And I think we're, we're being pushed to a variation of that now. Um, so I will buy it actually. Yeah. That's such a danger the, the we, the Stacey Abrams at all, Andrew Gillum at all, Kamala Harris. We played that clip yesterday, I think, where she talks about how Abrams and she's basically towing the same Hillary line. Clinton, Hillary Clinton. Yes. Hillary Clinton the other day as well. Um, it's, it's becoming more and more just normal. Yeah. Yeah. The election was stolen. It was, it was stolen. It was, okay. What happens when an election actually is stolen? Um, this type of game 
Uh, they are they are using that yes for a cottage industry. Undermining though the integrity of an election is an extremely extremely dangerous game, and it's just it's kind of normal. It's commonplace now. It seems to be it, anyway. It, it's yeah, it's it's commonplace. I just his word was never. I think. Uh, and I like this uh, uh, guy. Um, he brings up a lot of good points on Twitter. But I think just as likely as that one, they'll just they'll increasingly go to uh, we still have a lot of work to do in America. Uh, wink, nod, or flat out overtly say America is still a sexist, bigoted place. They'll acknowledge they lost, but it's because of all you hateful uh, white patriarchy t- types. So that's that's just as likely to be said as we didn't actually lose. It was stolen from us. All right, uh, Chuck says Steve Dace gets purged by Twitter by Jack uh, by the end of 2019. If Allah loves yeah. us, if by. we're doing our jobs, I don't know that we're big enough to be on their radar. But you know, I don't know. Um, I'll sell. Um, because I'm at in terms of a followership, my a social media presence, I'm pretty much where Jesse Kelly was before they did this to him. And now he is a certified monster. <laughs> right? I mean, I hear that train of rumbling. It's coming down the tracks. And, and and on the side of it says Jesse Kelly. All right. I mean, what they did for his career, how many of you have heard had heard of him before this? You know? Um, so if you go back and look at what his social media presence was, at least according to the data that they share with us anyway, and compare it to where we're at right now, we're kind of in the exact same place. Just need that one thing on the resume got banned by Twitter. Yeah. I mean, I, so I, I, I don't, I, I gotta believe the worst day in the history of the offices at Twitter was the day they had to go back tail tucked firmly between legs testicles placed uh, prominently within jar for display and re uh, establish Jesse Kelly on so on their on their platform and then watch him become like the new hotness in conservative media and realize that unlike to paraphrase in reverse our former president to Twitter you did build that <laughs> you did build that all right so I got to believe the, the, that unless we do something unconsciously, unconscionably dumb that we would deserve to get banned for, what they would ban us for risks them doing for us what they did for Jesse Kelly, inadvertently creating a star. So I'm going to say sell. What was the date again, Aaron? By the end of By this the year. By the end of this, mm. this year, yeah. I'm going to sell only because of the date. I need a little bit more time, but this is election year and people are going to be nuts. So, now, if, uh, if, and if, I like a challenge. Here's a quick, quickie. Or do you want to? Can say I add something? one more? Now, let me, it, like, if it was like at some point next year when the election's actually happening, and if like I were, to, if I were, to, if if, some, if I had felt compelled, like I'm going to come out and explain, I am going to vote for Trump, and let me go and explain offensively to others why, and I think you should do the same thing. Then I could see that. I could see that. I could see them trying to get rid of as many voices what, doing that as they possibly One could. more quickie uh, before the break. Brian Sims will speak at CPAC before Steve does. <laughs> that might bye. be the best we've ever had. Ever. Bye. Bye. Marks will speak before I do. We'll come back. More here live and on demand on The Blaze. Stay tuned.
Here at Blaze TV, we love to lend our voice to assist worthwhile causes. One of the most worthwhile of them all is taking the hope and inspiration and the truth found in God's word to the ends of the earth. And that's where Back to Jerusalem comes in. And their ministry in particular, uh, they've got a heart for what are called closed countries like China, Somalia, North Korea, Iran. Uh, these are oppressive regimes that are trying to close their people off to access to the scriptures. Why? Well, it's a pretty simple reason. Uh, they want government to be God, number one, and then number two. So I guess it's two simple reasons. Uh, and then number two, you know, people that uh, are inspired and hope-filled are far less tolerant of being oppressed. Well, if, if we want to reach these persecuted people with, uh, with the word of God, we need your help. What they do at Back to Jerusalem is they take the scriptures and then they put them into a small electronic downloadable form that's about the size of a pill that can be downloaded later, but it makes it easier to sneak uh, the Bible past the gatekeepers and jackbooted thugs in these countries. Their total cost uh, to get to one persecuted person in a closed country from conception to delivery is about $15. And that's so that's what they're asking from each of us if this seems like a $15 well spent to you here's what we need you to do go to the website blazehelp.org that's blazehelp.org or give them a call at 844-305-0566 that's 844-305-0566 back to buy sell or hold Aaron yep and credit to Christian for that last one which made us all laugh very very hard Brian Sims will speak at CPAC before Steve does moving on Ted Nuss says there are more flops in the NBA than there are in professional soccer hashtag just for Todd I'm going to I would, I, I don't know even I don't watch I can't enough soccer by that that no uh, uh, there sell I mean the flopping is just it's appalling in soccer as much as I love the sport no I won't do that to basketball I will t- I, I'm gonna sell too but I but you know what if you ask unless they do something about this you know, and and who's the guy that was on you guys' team? Uh, is it Matt Davidson? Is that who I'm thinking of? Okay. Oh, on the Wisconsin. No, Brad Davidson. Brad he's, Davidson. Okay. Like you said, he's he is he one of those guys who's only been there two years, and you think he's been there six already? Yeah. So Brad Davidson is a really good player. Uh, we recruited him. We offered him uh, at point guard. Michigan did. Uh, he's 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 getting this reputation though for essentially being the quintessential white guy with no athletic ability who yeah. just runs around oh, out there right. and flops to draw, you know, pseudo charges when he actually is a really good shooter, pretty good score. Okay. Now he's earning this reputation though. In my view, you might disagree as a Wisconsin fan, but I think it's well-deserved. And, and there's, there's, there's numerous films you can find of him out there ridiculously flopping. And, so and what, hitting guys in the junk, too. Yeah, yeah there's, there's those films, too. But what we see, saw happen at the end of the year, though, is when these things started making the rounds in social media, the referees see this, too. They talk mm-hmm. to each other, and they're like, dude, I don't want to get lit up on Twitter for rewarding this guy. And so I would watch Wisconsin games at the end of the year, and I thought, dude, I think that was actually a charge. And now they won't call him. So they, they were trying—I think they're kind of trying to send a message to your boy here, uh, you know, play basketball. You know, don't, don't show us up. Well, and the NBA at this point is is not drawing really good TV ratings. But do you know where the NBA crushes it? On Twitter. Like, the NBA has the most vibrant Twitter presence of any of the professional sports leagues. And one of the things that gets shared all the time are the what are called the player control fouls. Traveling is one. I think there's a video I sent you, Aaron, of, is it James Harden taking about nine and a half steps? Yeah. Okay. And, and, and flopping. 
if NBA officials don't do what college bat what officials in the Big Ten did to Davidson at the end of the year, if they don't stop, if they don't start saying, you know, we're just simply not rewarding your histrionics. You want, you know, you want an acting award, you're in the wrong line of work. You know, try Hollywood. Then I do think, particularly with the the uh, millennial snowflakian culture that is beginning to uh, overtake uh, the NBA, I could see it getting as bad or worse as it is in soccer. And I don't think we're that far away from it, actually. I mean, it, it's it's notorious what's happening in the NBA right now. Yeah. Um, Jacob Hibbard says, The Last Crusade is the best Indiana Jones film I'm going to hold because I've never seen any of them. <sighs> wow. You've never seen any of them. That's... Did that just happen? Of course it did. Yeah, I told this to Chris Pandolfo um, from conservative, or he's with Blaze Media uh, a couple of years ago when we were down in Florida uh, going to Harry Potter World. I told this, and he he had the same reaction. He had the same reaction, so he forced me to watch it. I watched about the first five we're just, minutes. We're just checking boxes now. Um, <laughs> I watched about the first five minutes, and then for like the next hour and a half, I had a phone conversation with someone. Uh, and then I came back for like the last 10 or 15 minutes. So I guess I have seen some of it, but I've never seen any of the full. Full. And that was Raiders of the Lost Ark, by the way. So I haven't seen that one in its entirety. Oh, how are you guys doing? It's a fun day. I mean, not one of them. Not even one. It's it's only... It's only 22. I'll, I've got a... I don't know... I, I'm not sure I can recover from this, and and we've got 15 more minutes of airtime. I, I am, uh, I am broken. I, I don't. I love how that realization initially came from Harry Potter Land. That, that's what really is the gravy we on top. In, but that was why we were in Florida. At least he didn't drop. Well, you know, we were at a coffee shop trying their new avocado toast, and we just started talking about we never seen an Indiana Jones film. Um. Wow. I, I, I don't even know. I, I, you know what? I can't even, I can't even right now. I don't even know what to do. That, that's um, even more like, I, that's even more glaring to me than not seeing Rudy. And that's Rudy's. Incredible. I would agree. Cause it's just, I would one, agree with you. Not. Yeah. Because Rudy is a uniquely dude yeah. experience that I can understand generationally why yeah. you may have missed it. Yeah. Okay. Even no, I can't understand it, but I could more understand that than the transcendent. We're dealing with shades of impossible here. <laughs> the transcendent pop culture phenomenon that is the Indiana now, Jones. In Aaron's defense, movies. that last one was trash, and See, I yeah, it was hot trash. See? Trash. It, well, I totally agree. But the other, th- I like, I, well, let's get back to the fundamentals of the class. I, I will buy. Uh, I I think that it's either the first one or the third one that people argue about, and I I won't argue either way. But I've, if you say that the Last Crusade is the best, uh, you, you can make that argument. I, and I will defend a lot. Oftentimes, the the, the second one and it's um, the Temple of Temple Doom. Temple of Doom is I, goes down a, in history. I think it's the first ever PG thirteen rated film. Temple Doom is also a, a really good movie and a lot of fun. I think it's unfairly maligned sometimes. Yeah, we as a family went through, you know, we've got this tradition. I've talked about it before, family movie night, you know. And so a few years ago when I thought the kids were old enough, we did the three movies. You know, I, I chose them mm-hmm. when it was my turn three weeks in a row. And I had not set through Temple of Doom all the way through in, in several years. And it was better than I remembered it being. 
It's, and I think maybe, frankly, the other the two bookend movies are so good that yeah, right you right. you it, that they sh overshadow it. But sure. it, when you just watch it as a standalone, it, oh, yeah. it's better than I remember it being. I'm going to sell. I love I love the Last Crusade, but and, and so this isn't so much about disagreeing with you as um, you know Raiders of Lost Ark. I'd put in my all time top ten mm. greatest movies of all time. I mean, I just yeah. I, I mean, I, I mean, I love the film so. I got to sell on those grounds, but I, this is one of those things, man, if you come to me, it's like, I, it's like, are we arguing mint chocolate chip or, or Reese's mm -hmm. peanut butter cup ice cream, which is the best one. And if you have a different view, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm totally okay with it. Now, I don't know the rules of the day's household in terms of family movie night, but I know one of your dreams is to be called crafty. Is that a crafty move to select this? So you get the choice three weeks in a row? No, I didn't get three weeks in a row. It's still rotated. It's, it's still rotated. But so when okay. It was my so turn in the rotation I, three weeks in so. a row. Three, I should, not, I, I should have correctly, more correctly crafty. said three times in a Sorry, row. I tried, no. but not crafty. No, more egalitarian. I, I kept it, I, I kept it fair. Yes. All right, moving on. We have Mike. I don't says, know that I can move on. I, I mean, I don't know that I can move on from this. <laughs> Your heart will go on. Uh, hockey players shaking hands in the middle of the rink after a seven game series is the best display of sportsmanship in pro sports. Uh, I would buy that. It's a unique, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. At it, 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 this point, it's one of the only ones, really, you know? So, I, I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, we're probably not counting players on both teams getting together and praying after a game. We, we're probably hoping something higher is going on there than sportsmanship, right? So, mm -hmm. I, it, now, if you're counting that as an act of sportsmanship, then obviously that would be number one. But if you're thinking that there's something hopefully taking place during those moments, then good game. Okay, mm -hmm. um, so if you're <laughs> if you're excluding that, then yeah, I would I would wholeheartedly agree yeah. with that. Yeah, as would I. All right, next is Tim. Uh, half the Dems will drop out before the Iowa caucuses. So that, uh, that would be uh, twenty to eleven. I will sell. As will I. And, and be, there's multiple reasons people run for president. This is true right. of Republicans and Democrats. It it, raise, it can raise your profile. You know. Um, you can go from a, you can be, you can be Herman Cain and go from a guy. No one knew who you were. Pizza man did a local show every now and then in Atlanta and, and become a national name. You can be Mike Huckabee where, uh, you know, I still can't pronounce the name of the seminary that he, that he went to down there in Arkansas. And everybody forgot that he was the longest tenured sitting governor in America. He'd been governor for more than 10 years. Um, but you know, he's still a, a national presence in politics. Uh, when nobody remembered him at all as a governor. And th so this is true on both sides. There's lots of different reasons. You can be Tom Tancredo and you're running, you know, you have no chance to win, but you have a particular issue that you want to inject into the, into the, uh, you know, slip through the Overton window and inject into the bloodstream of mainstream America. I mean, there's lots of different reasons and I'm only choosing Republicans for this because I'm just closer to that side and that part of the competition. So I'm more aware of the context and particulars of those individual candidates, you know, um, like I, I had to look up what an Eric Swellwall was, you know, a few weeks ago. I didn't, I didn't know who the guy was, you know, but this is true in general. There's lots of different reasons why people run for president. Lots of different reasons why. Uh, and so that's why I don't think half of the field will drop out before Iowa. Also, because of social media, for much longer, you can overestimate your rev relevance and value. Mm -hmm. And there's just, let's uh, kind of, we left the most important one off the table. Um, you, because you're progressive, you're probably insufferable. So, 
He just won't go away. <laughs> All right, I'm back. I'm totally back now. Thank you. Uh, Dave Zuge says, uh, due to the many states passing new heartbeat abortion laws, hallelujah, there will be a related case before the Supreme Court within the year. Secondly, Justices Roberts or Kavanaugh will sell us out. Um, just because of the last part, I'm, I'm going to uh, buy. I'm going to buy. I, I don't know that the, the timetable will get to as fast as you want, but I certainly think we could see one before the 2020 election with the proliferation of these bills. And that's strategic. You know, if I'm going to pan, you know, legislative pro-life strategy when I think it's necessary, I'm going to praise it as well. Pro- proliferating these you're, you, creates more of a window or more of a more of a strain on the court to to get them to consider it, whether than just having one or two states do it. But you get a conglomerate of states do it from pretty diverse geographic regions of the country, whether it's Ohio, Iowa, uh, you know, um, uh, the one we just talked about in Georgia. Okay, so that's a good strategy. I, they're doing some things strategically now that I like. I, they just uh, uh, played footsie with the Republican Party for decades uh, and didn't. You know, but uh, I think that the likelihood of Roberts and Kavanaugh selling us out high, high likelihood of that. Yeah. Yep. Bye. Moving on. Rocco says Batman Begins is the ultimate best, most superior Batman movie. The Dark Knight is just a really well-made crime thriller that happens to have Batman and Batman related characters in it. Sell, sell, sell. sell. I'm going to sell. No, I, I'm, I know where you're going with this. I get it. OK, Mike, my, my, if I didn't know, I'm, I don't know Rocco. But if I had to guess, Rocco's the guy that's like, you know, Thriller's a great album, but uh, what was the album that uh, Michael Jackson did uh, uh, before that? Okay. But um, Jackson 5. No, there was another solo album he did before that that I can't remember the name of it. That was also a big hit. It just didn't sell nearly as many copies. I But I get the idea of, you know, hey... This is more commercialized, but, you know, it's not the pure form of art here. I, I understand, you know, I totally get it. You're doing the whole uh, Jack Black routine from High Fidelity. And in a way, I kind of respect it because I used to kind of be that guy, <laughs> you know. So I, I'm with you, but now I'm the ugly American, so I got to sell. The The Dark Knight is what you say it is, but it it is a monumental achievement in film. I mean, it is it is a film that on repeated viewings doesn't tire, stands up and, and knocks your socks off um, every, with every single airing. Uh, and he only compares those two movies. Did he? T- right. Did, nope. I, I'll, it's just those two. I, I think by your own standard, you're wrong. Uh, I, I, I think I, I agree with what Steve's analysis on the dark Knight front, but I, I think that it, it, it returns to form with the Dark Knight Rises, and while I love Batman Begins, I, I, I if I had to pick one as superior, I'd pick Dark Knight Rises, and I think that's closer to your definition of what a superhero movie is. I mean, it it goes there and it goes big. That's one of Off my favorite. Off the Wall parts. is the album I'm thinking of, by the way. That was Michael Jackson's first solo album. Sorry, go ahead. No. So that's all I had. Uh, Micah says doxing minors should be a felony. Total buy. I'll buy that. Yeah, I would buy that. Man, I, I hate that I have to pause on that. Uh, I because I haven't thought out how such an obvious like you know is, what you where will this boomerang against us? Okay, yeah, you know what we must pause and think this through. Ex- I, it, 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 unless we're talking about 
hey, I, this guy's got a Twitter account where he's threatening to shoot up a school and I know who it is, all right? So that's why I don't know, now that I think about what you just said, the law of unintended consequences here, that's doxing, 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 doxing maliciously, maliciously, maliciously. Yeah. okay, would we agree that doxing is should, malicious by its intent though? Yes, yeah. Um, definition, I mean. But I, I, I might specify it more. Well, maliciously, you got to prove malevolent intent. And also, I mean, when we use felony, I, hey, remember the fun times when filing a false re- police report was a felony. <laughs> I mean, I have no intent on intention of doxing anybody. I'm just simply saying we. This is there ought to be a law against that. My grandma used to say that all the time, and it makes sense for a lot of things and then the world turns upside down and you're being, you're just not, I, I do you everybody understand where I'm at? I'm just being I hear very you. careful yeah. about, but you know, the we're, world th- we're, we're 30 seconds away from someone getting a monstrous civil suit dropped on them for doing this. And that will be somewhat of a deterrent right there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we're, we're when the Brian Sims thing, I, like I want to hear him say in court, because he's left with two options. A, I, I really was trying to bully them. Or two, guys, I'm a political opportunist. I wasn't trying to bully them. I was just trying to generate some clicks. There's only two answers he can give. Either one of those are good for me. Mm-hmm. So I, I just, I, I'd kind of like to hear them said, you know. Uh, if you are tired of letting uh, individuals like Brian Sims, who have taken over the government schools, if you're tired of letting them indoctrinate your children, let me give you an option. It's called Freedom Project Academy. Uh, And it was created as an accredited classical online school built on Judeo-Christian values for students from kindergarten through high school. This isn't about uh, replacing the basics of reading, writing, and arithmetic in American history with gender dysphoria and social justice and test-driven instruction uh, so we never teach you how to critically think. This is done and was created to undo all of those things. As you're getting ready right now to decide uh, education options for your child next year, take a look at Freedom Project Academy. They'll be in a real-world classroom, just virtual, but with other students, with an actual teacher in a real virtual class setting, uh, getting uh, some excellent instruction. You can learn more right now by going to freedomforschool.com. That's freedomforschool.com. Dot com to learn more about Freedom Project Academy. All right, final thoughts, gentlemen. What did we learn here today? Aaron, what did you learn? Uh, I learned that I um, need to remember and be more careful. Uh, and I think this is a good reminder for all of us, too, but especially for me, um, that when you're talking about certain movies, you can trigger people. And I just need to remind myself of that um, specifically. We are, we are all, seen. everybody, everybody. Is, is triggered right now by you acknowledging. And, and I just need to be this. sensitive. And in order not to get triggered, what I need to remember is that I should expect nothing from a man who enjoys Year of the Cat. <laughs> it's not my fault I have better musical taste. No, way yeah. to come over the top. Well done, old man. John three seventeen. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network. 